And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. I hope anybody's not stupid enough to write us off. It's two stars time. This is the weekly Nottingham Forest podcast from The Athletic. On this episode, the chairman speaks, but what does it mean? A point at Brentford edges the Reds closer to safety. We'll round up the international news and ask, did they really play for Forest? Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is Two Stars. Hello, listener. Matt Davis-Adams here. I'm joined by The Athletic's Forest correspondent, Paul Taylor. Hi, Paul. Good morning to you. And with us, as ever, the Empress of Tomorrow, Nick Miller. Hi, Nick. Hello. The you like that one? Tomorrow. No, mm. that, uh, well, uh, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll take that one. I've liaised with a uh, a mutual friend of ours, Matt, to suggest some kind of um, wrestling style nickname that would be appropriate for you. Okay. And, uh, it's been uh, the voice of the voiceless has been nominated. Now, um, I don't know that th- this this kind of mutual friend of ours uh, may well be thoroughly murking me because I obviously I have no idea what uh, any of any of this means, but um, he reckons that's appropriate anyway. Oh, it must have been Ben. Right, okay. CM Punk, yeah, voice of the voiceless. Uh, a slightly controversial wrestler, but but an excellent one in his day, albeit he left in uh, slightly sour circumstances. But anyway, this is a Forest podcast, not a wrestling one. So before we start, here's a question from Damien, who says, if you could each pick and transplant any former Forest player into this current team, who would you choose? Example, Pierce circa 1991 to drop in at left back as a rampaging 29-year-old. Rule one, pick from players you've seen live. Rule two, no Collymore 93, 94, 95, too easy. Um, Colin Moore would definitely have been my answer. Nick, who did you come up with? Yeah, I mean, uh, Pierce was the the obvious one, not just because of uh, you know he was uh, you know my favourite Forest player of all time, but uh, over the last kind of year, we've all needed something to get excited about with football generally, not just Forest. And there it rem- there remains no more visceral and exciting sight than Piercey charged up and down the left flank, but. Um, on a more practical level, obviously the problem with Forest this season, and I think this is going to be a theme, is that uh, we don't score enough goals, and also that we don't create enough chances to score goals. So I have chosen, um, with sort of due apologies to uh, Grenville Morris and uh, Wally Ardron, who of course disqualified because I'm not quite that old. Uh, I've gone with Nigel Clough um, just for, for, for the for scoring of the goals and the creating of uh, chances as well. Um, we, it, was, it was Brian Rice Day the other the other week, wasn't it? And you kind of, I, I'm sure we all watched the goal over and over again. And I don't, we really don't say enough about the pass, slide rule pass that Nigel played while while falling over, which you know is just exceptional and uh, one of the reasons that I chose him for this. Yeah, it's a lovely pick. I remember when Forrest signed Nigel Quasi and. Some supporters chanted, Nigel, Nigel. And I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> this is not for Nigel Quasi. Um, Paul, you've gone for a striker as well. Must have been a temptation to go for Dick Laflemme, but that's not the guy who you picked. <laughs> Mate, I, th- I think we've, we're at odds here. You sent me a different question. 
and uh, I've, I've I've picked three players who were who I'd sign in different circumstances. But oh, okay. I have come up with an answer in the space that uh, that that Nick was talking about his. And okay. I, really I thought it that. was the answer that you texted me this morning because that was going to be no. mine. So I'll be cross if you haven't picked it. <laughs> <laughs> Your question to me was. Who would be an unrealistic signing? Who would be a realistic signing? And who would be a signing that would work out terribly? I'll tell you what's happened there. I've copied and pasted the wrong tweet and sent it here. So so that's my fault. So So if if you've got that question, I've got a brilliant array of answers for that. (laughs) (laughs) So you're not picking Britta Sumber longer then? Well, no. He he was going to be my answer for for all three of those questions, but not this one. Uh, My my actual answer to this would be, and I, I thought Nick was going down the same path, would be Andy Reid, uh, purely because, you know, for all the reasons that Nick mentioned, unfortunately, my my time covering Forest didn't start when Nigel Clough was still playing, but I did get to see Andy Reid adding his creativity and flair. And I've never seen a better left foot in a Forest shirt than than, than Andy Reid. And I think for similar reasons, as, as Nick talked about now, you know, they lack a bit of creativity, they lack a bit of flair, they lack... They, they create a lot of chances, but they're not a side that creates loads of really, really good chances. And that's what really was good at. He could pick out the pass. He could play in a cross. He could make something happen out of nothing for himself. And that's what Forrest are missing. They're missing his kind of mercurial abilities and uh, just that little bit of magic that he was capable of creating. I'd, I've never... Can anybody explain to me why you can only have a wand of a left foot? And what is the right <laughs> foot equivalent? What do, do you have like a, you know, a, a feather duster of a right foot? I don't know. <laughs> What is the alternative? Yeah, you know, you never have a cultured right foot either, do you? This no. Is, these are all questions that I think can be um, di- directed to the Football Clichés podcast, which uh, which covers these this, these kind of vital matters extensively. Excellent branding there, Nick. That's that's fantastic segue. <laughs> company man, uh, company man. <laughs> the thing about Andy Reid as well is it's not as if pace was ever a big part of his game. You, you mm. could just pick him up from the academy and, and just drop him into the first team now and he'd probably still have the same impact. It was such a shame that he got injured when he did and never quite got over that groin problem because uh, he still had he had plenty left in him. The, the, you know, he, he could have carried on for another couple of years if not for that. And I think Forrest badly missed him uh, once that problem arose. Who's shout yeah. with the uh, the best left foot ever though? There, Paul. I mean, the, the Ian Wone ultras are going to be <laughs> uh, going to be after you. Uh, no, it, it, again, it's it's players we've seen, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Wone was just before my time. Uh, sorry, right, sticking to the rules. That's fine. <laughs> Yeah, you could calm down, producer Lucy, who's a, a massive Ian Wayne stand, so she would have been fuming there. Um, I've gone for Marlon Harewood, but specifically 2002-2003 Marlon Harewood. So when he was up front with David Johnson and for a little while, Darren Huckabee, and he was just absolutely rampaging, marauding. Was it Gillingham he got four goals against? And Stoke. Nick, Nick you'll Stoke. remind... Stoke, was it? Yeah. Might yeah. got a hat-trick against Gillingham. Who was it? Was it Palace who he got that brilliant goal that he just cut in from sort of by the A block, beat everybody and, and put it in? Yeah, um, that rings a bell. He was a thrilling, though. I mean, just absolutely thrilling. And that's what we could do with now in football generally, but in that team. And also, it was fun, you know. Just lovable... Little scamp, Marlon. Really Howard. good, really good penalty <laughs> taker as well. I don't know how mm. uh, you know that's. It's kind of something that um, maybe a bit underrated and passes you by. But he he was an excellent penalty taker, Marlon. Certainly was. Right, enough of the frivolity. Forest chairman Nicholas Randall made a rare public appearance this week. We'll discuss what he had to say next. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. So earlier this week, the club released a video of Chairman Nicholas Randall being questioned by a member of the Forest Supporters Club. It was over half an hour long. It's part one of two, available online if you haven't seen it. Uh, we'll discuss some of the bigger talking points that emerge. First though, Paul, why do you think the, the club chose now uh, for for the time to go public and, and why Nicholas Randall to do it? Uh, let's be honest, I think it's probably something that should have happened before now. It's something that certainly, you know, we, we've been pushing for, for for some time. Just, I kind of understand, well, I don't kind of understand, I completely understand why the club didn't want to follow in the footsteps of the previous regime. Fawaz, bless him, always kind of loved being in the spotlight and kind of indulged people on Twitter and wanted to be the first person to break signings and, uh, wanted the lines of communication always to be perhaps a little bit too open, if you like. And the the current owners, not just because of Fawaz, because I think they've always always taken a similar stance in in Greece as well at Olympiakos. I think they wanted to keep their themselves under the radar a little bit and not not put themselves in the spotlight. Now, there's a middle ground to be found there, isn't there? Where you've still got to communicate with fans. And at this point now, after their entire tenure, they've never done. Uh, barring one interview when when Maranakis was first appointed and one kind of a very snatched interview at the side of the pitch at Olympiakos. They haven't done any real interviews at all, full stop, with the, the British media. And it left a void there. The, the, the fans, I always think that if you explain your decisions, if you explain what your thinking is, if you explain your plan, you immediately put yourself on the front foot and give yourself a bit of leeway with fans who just want to know what your thinking is a lot of the time with you know the structure of the club, the, the vision of the future and things like that. And I think it's a really good thing that they have now you know, sort of filled that void with this interview with, with Nicholas Randall. Uh, it, it's not perfect. It, it's There's a lot of things that you'd like to see done a little bit more. I, I want to say harder, but that's that's a little bit unfair. You know, it, it'd still be great if they do an interview with the media for obvious reasons. I know I'm biased on that front. Hopefully that'll happen in the in the near future. But this is a great starting point and it does help to fill that void left by their, their previous desire to, to remain unheard if you like and out, out the spotlight what do you think nick it, you don't you don't really need to hear from from the owners when things are going well do you, you know no chelsea fans complain that you never hear from from roman abramovich but you do you do want that line of communication to be open and, and is was this the best way to do it kind of half an hour of, of softball questions or would you have rather a, a proper grilling from somebody like paul I think there's, there's there's space for both. I mean, obviously, the the club will want to control the message to a point. I think the main problem with this chairman's address was that it was just really boring. It was you know thirty seven minutes long. Nicholas Randall, bless him, doesn't have the most kind of thrilling or charismatic speaking voice. So it was quite easy to to be sitting there watching it and your attention drifts and you know 
the cat moves in the other uh, the, on the other side of the the room, or you spot something shiny, and your attention goes to that rather than what should be kind of really uh, really kind of interesting, um, a really interesting and very important part of communicating with uh, with the fans. I mean, e- even apart from the sort of superficial things like that, which, which you know, uh, I say superficial, but it, you have to. You know, engage with the with the fans, and part of that is making the thing slightly more interesting. Um, just a few of the a, a few of the ways things that were kind of addressed in there as well. I mean, that they obviously they mentioned COVID, but sort of as as we've discussed before this podcast, it they sort of gave the impression that Forest were the only club who you know had any kind of negative impact from COVID, which you know I don't think is entirely the case. Um, yeah, this would be a Premier League podcast were it not for bloody COVID. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and I think the kind of one of the interesting things. I'm sorry, if I'm sort of skipping ahead with your questions here, Matt. But the, he, the the chairman said, well, for the first three seasons, we were very happy with the progress, and it's just this season where it's gone wrong, which I found slightly odd, given that they're now on their fifth manager in these four seasons. So if they thought he was going swimmingly before, then why why was a manager sacked every season? Um, and also, he said at one point, what matters is when you make mistakes, you learn from them, and that seems to be one of the kind of one of the problems um, with Forest historically and and this regime specifically is that mistakes are being made and being made repeatedly. Um, you know, obviously, if finally they do learn from them and, and um, do things a bit more uh, sort of consistently and properly going forwards, then that's great, better late than never. But uh, at this stage, it did seem like slightly odd and inconsistent messaging. I thought the, the division of labour that he spoke about was interesting, Paul. So we were kind of told that, that Nicholas Randall these days was not a token chairman, but but didn't have much involvement. But he said he spends most of his time in Nottingham. His role involves liaising with the EFL and the PFA. And Janos Frentzos works with Marinakis, basically, as his right-hand man. And, and Johnny Owen looks after the media side of things. It's interesting to get that insight into it. And, and maybe Randall does have more to do day-to-day than we thought. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the suggestion was... Uh prior to this interview was that his involvement had been scaled back a little bit. And I think we all presumed that his, uh, his remit had, had been reduced just a little bit, but it, it doesn't sound like that's the case at all. Uh, he was basically asked to be chairman for, for very obvious and very worthy reasons, of course, because he brings some credibility. He brings uh, a great deal of knowledge about the, you know, the way that sport is, Football is 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 run, and the, the the you know certainly the legal aspects of it. He, he's an expert in such areas, and that that's why he was brought on board. So it's it's good to know that he's uh, still part of things. In 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 terms of the division of labour, the, the the thing that stood out for me was when uh, obviously the the thorny subject in in recent times has been that of recruitment, and we we did some really in depth analysis of the way that that's worked in recent years in a in a recent piece, and obviously uh, Francois Modesto is is sort of the figurehead of that at Nottingham Forest. But only a few months ago, we were we were also told that Gary Brazil had been given a promotion and would, would be a key part of uh, recruitment when it came to players, you know, in the Football League and Premier League and in, you know, sort of UK-based potential signings. And it, it was telling to me, perhaps it was just an oversight, perhaps it was just something that he, d- he didn't think to mention, I suppose. But it, it felt that the fact that he was never mentioned when they talked about the recruitment things 
felt felt key to me is is he still involved is his is his involvement being scaled back you know uh, was it just an oversight for Randall not to mention him or is, is it now all down to Modesto again it's it's interesting if that policy has changed again so so quickly only a few months after Brazil's promotion into that role and also on transfers Nick um, Randall said that Chris Hewton has the final say he said that he admits that Forrest have been short-termist in in, in terms of player turnover Did, do you think that's right that Hewton has the final say? It seems unlikely these days. I mean, it's just, uh, you. You're never sure when he says the, the Hewton has the final say. It's always it's always a little bit kind of thorny as to what that actually means. As to you could easily interpret that as you know, Chris Hewton is leading the recruitment, which I don't think is is true. What that probably means is that they. The, the the and Paul will know more about this than me, but it, I assume what that means is that the club will go to uh, Hewton with signings, and if he really objects to a certain player, or then then he'll then he'll say no. But if it, I don't know, it, it it does seem slightly contradictory to say that we are being too short termist, um, and then say the the manager has a kind of significant say in player signings. Which at a another slash normal club, then that that might be a little bit more sensible. But at a club that gets through managers at the rate that Forest do, that is a kind of uh, a, a summation of why we do have this ludicrous sort of level of squad churn that we that we do. That you know, if if a manager does have the final say in all transfers and a manager sacked every season, then it's inevitable that there is going to be the churn because you know obviously the new manager comes in wants his own players. Um, so I don't think it's, necess- it's it's not an unhealthy thing for a manager and particularly Chris Hewton to have a, uh, a a final say in in transfers, but they also have to accept that if if they sh- think short term in terms of managerial appointments and kind of keeping patience with the managers and they and they also then give the manager a say in player recruitment then there is going to be uh, a lot of short-term thinking and there is going to be a lot of a lot of player churn which I think has you know contributed to a lot of the problems that we've had in the last couple of seasons. Definitely. Uh, a couple more points before we move on from this. We're picking it apart a bit. I don't want to be totally negative, though, Paul. They, they pointed out the the positives of the Maranakis era, uh, you know, more engagement with the community. Attendances have increased dramatically and, and revenue's gone up as well. And these are all tangible things that, that have definitely improved under this regime. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, to be honest, the, the the community aspect of it is is increased tenfold. You know, that that I think Forrest's position in the community without going over too much old ground in terms of the Fawaz al-Hasawi regime, there were a lot of local businesses that were, that struggled because they, they weren't, you know, bills weren't paid. Forest ended up with winding up orders left, right and centre. It was just a constant cycle of, of, of local businesses and suppliers being, you know, having to fight just to get paid a lot of the time. Now, Forests have taken it to the other extreme now. They're really good at interacting with the community. They work with schools. Uh, they work with uh, homeless projects. They they work with food banks. They're, they're really good on mental health 
I went over to Olympiacos for a pre-season game uh, a couple of years ago and it, it was really interesting to see how in-depth they interact with community to a point where they actually they feed thousands of homeless every day. They, they have a, uh, a facility where people can go and, and get themselves a meal and they, they spearheaded a campaign to actually refurbish all of the schools in the district. And they've taken the same approach in Nottingham as well. They are putting forests back at the, the heart of the community and that is one of the things that the club really deserve praise for. Significantly as well, they they have increased revenues as well. From um, that was one area that actually wasn't impacted too much in the accounts, even though you know the, there was COVID in the final few months of the the accounts that have just gone in, and uh, they they still managed. They were on course to have a really really good year, and they ended up only making slightly uh, less money than they had done in the previous season when when everything was normal. So uh, th- there are a lot of areas where Forest do deserve credit and do deserve praise, and. The main point I spoke about Gary Brazil was because in this in a situation like that and in a discussion like that with with Nicholas Randall, it would have been great just to be able to ask a question like that. You know, when he spoke about Modesto, in in an ideal world, if you're you know you want the media to be asking these questions because then they can follow up and say, well, that's great, but what about this? And I think that was just the only small thing that was missing from from what was otherwise a a very good idea and uh, a very good thing overall. Uh, finally, then Paul. Part two, do you think they're waiting for the for the reaction to, to part one before they release that? Is there going to be any massive revelations that, that we're expecting? I literally have no evidence to support this. It's just a hunch. But a few weeks ago, a few months ago, they talked about how they were going to uh, have the planning application for the new stand submitted in the first quarter of the year. Uh, and maybe I've I just got a slight hunch that it's, might, the set part two might include something like that. It might focus on the, the new stand and, and perhaps having some positive news about that. I know Forrest has been working hard to address the issues that they had with the with the first application and uh, hoping that the, the new one goes rather more smoothly. And, you know, it, it's easy to be critical of Forrest and there is plenty to criticise, but that's another area where if they can get the new the new stand moving again during these difficult times, I, I think that would be a huge huge demonstration of intent and uh, a sign that you know if we didn't realize already when he basically wrote off 20 million pounds by turning debt into uh sort of cancelling the debt in the in the last lot of accounts evangelos maranakis then i think getting the stand moving would would definitely be that and would be a huge positive if if that indeed does turn out to be uh anything that is is part of part two uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if if they do announce that and if they trail it with we're serious about promotion, are you? Um, <laughs> one expects not. Uh, right, we'll turn our attention back to the pitch next as we reflect on last weekend's draw at Brentford. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. 
towards Gravett, falls kindly this time for Kravinovic. And Nottingham Forest are level. What a significant moment this could be. Well, it feels like a long time ago now, but last weekend, Forrest came back from Brentford with a point in their pocket after a one-all draw in West London. Uh, first question, Paul, what did you make of the, the Brentford Community Stadium on your first visit? Well, the, the, the big bonus was that I actually was able to sit in the press box without feeling like I was in one of those old sauna seats that you used to get in the <laughs> 70s, you know, with your head poking out the top of it. Uh, I had a, a delightful pre-match sausage roll uh, that... that didn't make me too fat to go and sit in my seat which was ace it, on a serious note it's a really really nice stadium and uh probably just about right for for Brentford it, there was a nice walk from the uh the, the car park was quite near the old stadium you could still see the old stadium and you walk past all the, the those back streets and the nice little pubs which unfortunately weren't open but it's quite a nice little setup they got there and they're just a really friendly club you know you got a really friendly welcome when you got there They've got a very good team, a very good ethos and a very good way of going about their business, Brentford. And uh, aside from the fact that Forest don't tend to get much change out of them, they're, they're quite an easy club to like. Uh, yeah, it, it, it was good. It was nice. It was, uh, and, and Forest, to be fair to them, actually played quite well, certainly in the second half. And they probably deserve to, to come back with something, which is always good. Yeah, would you put that down, Nick, to, to Forest's performance or, or Brentford's inability to, to kill off a game, which we'd seen days earlier at Derby? Yeah, weirdly, and this never happens, is that during a Forest game, I found myself paying more attention to the opposition than I did Forest. They were just, Brentford's just kind of weirdly passive. Um, I, I suppose there was some logic to the idea that they, if they score in the first half and then just kind of stand there for the rest of the game, then Forest weren't going to score against them because, you know, history tells us that that has happened before. But uh, I was just amazed that someone, that a team with um, the players that, Brentford do with the you know particularly the sort of attacking talent that they have were not more kind of um, sort of aggressive and incisive about it. They obviously they, they missed a couple of big chances and there was there was at least one that very much fell into the how on earth did that not go in category. I forget who who that was, but it was I think it was from a corner. Um, but yeah, I. I, I Forest did play much better in the in the second half, which is a it's kind of a encouragement and concerning that Forest only seem to be able to play well for half uh, a half of football at the moment, or you know certainly not for a, a whole ninety minutes. But um, I, I I think it was the the result was possibly more down to Brentford being passive than than Forest being particularly amazing. I wanted to talk briefly about Lewis Graben as well, who was the focus of Paul's post-match piece for the Athletic. Uh, the captain for the game until he went off and then James Garner was for a bit, for reasons. Uh, you, you spoke to Lewis afterwards, Paul. He, he clearly feels that he gets a, a bit of a raw deal, certainly from a, from a section of, of Forest supporters. And, and he backed it up quite well, I thought, with with his talk about you know his running stats and, and kind of tangible evidence that he might look as if he, he's not busting a gut all the time, but he, he's working smarter, if not harder, than everybody else. Yeah. I don't want to over-egg the pudding, but I think he's possibly one of the most misunderstood Forest players of recent years. He's... he's there's a... You could criticise him for certain things, like the fact he's missed a lot of chances this season. He has. There's there's no getting away from that. There's certain mitigations to explain partly why he's not been at his sharpest. But to say that he's lazy is is just not true. He covers more as much ground as as most of the other players in the team. Uh, 
to say that he doesn't care, which is a strange one, particularly being as most people seem to be taking that assumption out of his body language, which is perhaps just a fallout from the, the current crap situation we find ourselves in where fans can't go to stadiums and see games for themselves. I, I wonder if that's a, a factor in in perhaps somehow overanalyzing everything. But if we're getting to a point where the body language of a player is enough to, to write him off, then, you know, I, I don't know where we go from that. Uh, he, he's not perfect. Let's be honest. Last summer, there was this interest from Qatar, from, from Sabri Lamucci, who, who wanted to take him out to Qatar. It would have been a, a big payday for him. He would have got paid a, a decent amount of money to go and play in the sunshine. And I, his head was obviously turned by it. I think he wanted to go. But having had talks with Forrest and was convinced of his importance to the side and his value and how he is standing in the team, he, he, he was persuaded to stay. And uh, I, I wouldn't want to write him off on the back of that that scenario because last season he was the first player since 2002-2003 to score 20 goals in a season. And I don't think you could write off that calibre of player uh, through, through an incident like that. Uh, I think Forrest felt like they'd put out a fire when they persuaded him to stay, but... It feels like the whole situation perhaps lit another one, and you know a few bridges were burnt a, along the way. Uh, I, I like Lewis. Uh, you know he, he's always tagged with this. That Sunderland documentary didn't help him out. I, I've been told by a few different people that there was literally hours of footage from that interview, and they chose those few minutes to use, which which did paint a certain picture. He said it. He said those things, and you know he, he'll be judged for that. But I'm not sure from my experience, from talking to him fairly regularly over the years getting to know him a little bit, I wouldn't say I know him well, but just from talking to him in pre-match and post-match interviews, he, he doesn't come across as that character. He isn't surly, he, he's professional, he's, he's he's clearly a deep thinker, he comes across as somebody that cares and and, and, and is a leader, leader figure in the dressing room. He is respected by the other players. So I, I just think he's a little bit misunderstood and, and hopefully, even though he's 33 now, going on to 34 there is still another good season in him next season because Forrest have lacked goals this year and he is somebody that's capable of providing them. So if they can get him back on firing firing on all form next season, then he, he will still be an asset to the side and, and that's what matters at the end of the day. And that was going to be my question to you, Nick. Do you think he will be at Forrest next season? Uh, I'd like him to be. Um, I don't necessarily see that there is a... Well, you know, while he has struggled for goals this season, he's also struggled for fitness, and which is a you know, the strikers in particular will will tell you that kind of you know rhythm and getting a lot of games is very important for their goal scoring form. Um, but there isn't another player that we've got that is kind of capable of scoring twenty goals in the season, and at one, uh, you know, as Brentford showed the summer with the amount of money they had to pay for a League One player uh, as he was at the time in even Tony. A, a replacement won't come cheaply. I mean, the 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 the, the, the alternatives for a for the kind of main striking role at the moment are, you know, Glenn Murray, who's obviously only with us at the moment until the end of the season. Who knows whether that could be extended? But you know, he's what 37, 38 now. Lyle Taylor, who is is you know is a very good player, but I don't think is a um, 15, 20 goal uh, a season player now in in the championship. Uh, and then you're going down to kind of youngsters like Will Swan, who has you know limit little to no kind of senior experience, or the alternative is buying someone, and that will cost a lot of money. So uh, I, I certainly would like Graben to stay, um, I, I, unless a, a team 
unless you're going to get a repeat of the um, the Qatari interest, then I suspect there won't be too many takers for a kind of you know 33, 34 year old who hasn't scored many goals this season. So I, I'd like him to stay, and I think he probably will stay next season as well. Well, Graben, not in action this weekend as the Championship takes a pause for internationals. There are some Reds players away with their countries, though. Uh, Lyle Taylor got both goals for Montserrat in their 2-2 draw with Antigua and Barbuda on Wednesday night. They were the first goals he'd scored in international football since 2015, but he's only played a handful of games in that time. Paul, that might do him some good when he gets back to Forest. Yeah, yeah. Though I, you do, you get the impression that he's down the pecking order. I think it'll be the Lewis or or Glenn Murray who tend to start most of the games. Uh, obviously, I'll be proved wrong at Cardiff next week when Lyle Taylor's in the starting lineup. But uh, it, it does feel like uh, he's he's third in the pecking order behind the two slightly more experienced players at this level. But what I would say, and I, I was going to interject when Nick was talking, was it, it feels like there is a summer, a, a bit of opportunity this summer because there are some decent. Championship level strikers who are going to be available on free transfers this summer unless they agree contracts with their current clubs. And could Forrest finally end their lifelong pursuit of Dwight Gale, for example? You know, he's <laughs> out, he's out of contract this summer. You'd have to pay him big wages, but would he be worth it? He's he's somebody that does historically score a lot of goals in the championship and get teams out of the division. Britason Belonga. Now, <laughs> would you revisit him? He's not had the best of seasons this year, and he did leave Forrest in a ever so slightly mercenary way in the sense that, you know, Borough activated his clause that allowed him to leave and they paid him a lot of money. I, you know, football's a short career, you've got to make your money somewhere, but would you take him back? Would he be worth taking on a free transfer? Again, probably on big wages. The, there is opportunities there to sign proven, very good championship strikers, but you would have to probably commit to quite big wages. I, I, I don't know what the answer is, whether it's worth doing or not, but it's, I think it's something worth perhaps perhaps looking at. Uh, I, I don't imagine that Glenn Murray's on peanuts, for example. I think he's a great player. I think he's really good. I think he's added something else to the Forest team. But could you invest that in a in a Dwight Gale or a Brita Sambalonga in the summer to, to bolster your forward line in a different way? I don't know. But th- there might be options out there if Forest are willing to take a risk on wages, which is historically not always gone well for them. But, you know, is it worth a, a gamble worth taking? Another forward option they might look at, I guess, is bringing Brennan Johnson back from loan next season. Uh, he is in the Wales squad for their triple header. Didn't feature against Belgium on Wednesday, but he might get some minutes in Saturday's friendly with Mexico. Uh, elsewhere, Scott McKenna's in the Scotland squad. They've got a triple header of World Cup qualifiers against Austria, Israel and the Faroe Islands. The first of those is tonight as we record at Fuad Bashiru, technically a Forest player, might well get more minutes for Comoros than he has for the Garibaldi this season. Comoros have a pair of AFCON qualifiers against Togo and Egypt. They're on the brink of qualifying for the African Cup of Nations for the first time. They only need a point from either of those fixtures to make it. Alex Martin's away with the England under-19 squad. They've got a training camp. Uh, and finally, Cyrus Christie didn't get off the bench for the Republic of Ireland as they lost in Serbia on Wednesday. They've also got a qualifier against Luxembourg and then a friendly against Qatar, obviously. Hugely necessary match in 2021. Um, Christie's the subject of your, your latest piece for The Athletic, Paul. Uh, it seems like, given what Chris Hutton says about him in the piece, that he might be sticking around for, for longer than just this season. I think it's something that Forrest will look at quite quite seriously in the summer. Uh, he's he's he had a tough start. Let's not beat around the bush. He, he was he, he struggled to begin with, made a few mistakes, and they again without banging on too much about COVID and how it's changed the dynamic. It feels like this season that every mistake's been analysed a little bit more. That that made it a little bit difficult, I think, for him to win over some sections of fans. Uh, 
he was trying to fill the shoes of Matty Cash, which is no insignificant thing at all. He, he was brilliant that season in terms of fullbacks. He, he, he was outstanding, and uh, I think whoever came in was going to have uh, big shoes to fill there. But he, he's grown as the season's gone on. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't heap too much praise on his shoulders. I think he's he's a steady, reliable, decent Championship fullback. But I mean that as a compliment rather than a criticism. I think he's he's done pretty well and, and grown into that role as the season's gone on, and. I, if it could be done for the the right level of wages, I'd I'd, I'd certainly think about uh, trying to sign him for next season. What what the future holds for Carl Jenkinson, who'll want to be playing uh, first team football himself, I, I don't know. I suspect he might be one that they look to move on in the summer, and he might want to move on to go and play more regularly as his career sort of enters the autumn, if you like. Uh, but they've also got a couple of very young fullbacks coming back from loan spells as well. So if they could keep Christie and and and, and get some of the young lads to back him up, then. Uh, they might be in quite a, a good position in, in, in the right-back spot. Yeah, time will tell with that one, I guess. OK, anyone for a quiz about an obscure former Forest player? All shaking his head, no, but we've got to do it, I'm afraid. It's did they really play for Forest? I feel like Carl Jenkinson will definitely be on this game at some <laughs> point in the future, but for now it's over to our host, Mr Nick Miller. Yeah, current players disqualified from this, although, <laughs> although there are there are obviously Kuwait players. Yeah, yeah, there are obviously players currently contracted for us who we may well forget about. Uh, you can shake your head all you want, Paul. I spent upwards <laughs> of thirteen minutes researching this, this uh, earlier on, so we're going to bloody do it. Uh, okay, it's uh, did they really play for us? It's a uh, notable former player who had a forgettable spell at the world's greatest football club. Um, this one, uh, I think this is fairly tricky. This week. Oh, good. Um, Great. So Unlike the rest oh, of them. Goodness me. Yes. <laughs> okay, Thanks, clue number Nick. one. Yeah. <laughs> clue number one. I made my senior debut in a team alongside Paul Hart, Frank Gray, and Kenny Burns. And as a kind of supplementary clue, I completely forgot that Kenny Burns played for this particular club. Ooh, so it's not Forest. Nope. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, I've got no idea. He made his competitive debut. Made his made competitive his debut co- alongside Paul Hart. Competitive senior debut in a team alongside Paul Hart, Frank Gray, and Kenneth Burns. Also, uh, Frank Frank Worthington in that team as well. Sadly departed this week. That noise listener was Paul puffing out his cheeks in exasperation. <laughs> right, I'm passing. I don't know. Paul Paul looks deep in thought though. I wonder if we're well, I thought I had George something until he, I thought I had something until he said Worthington and that, that's thrown me completely off. Uh no, I'm Clue two. Clue number two. Uh, I scored the winning goal in a Wembley final for the club that Forrest sold me to. Oh right. Okay. Uh, I've got Everton on the brain for some reason now but that's probably not right uh, Paul's gone from puffing his cheeks to stroking his moustache that's going <laughs> to help him any further only time will tell uh, no I'm, I'm drawing a blank on this how about you Paul yep the blank look blank mind blank everything aside from <laughs> thoughts of wanting to hurt Nick that, that, that's, that, that's, that's, that's the only thing going around in my head at the minute Thoughts of violence. I'm very glad there's a couple of hundred miles between us. Uh, I am a current football league manager. Ooh. Okay. Hmm. A current football league manager. So, somebody 
in tiers two to four, uh, who used to play for Forest. <laughs> who could it be? Oh, I wow. wonder. Uh, I'm still thinking and thinking. I am struggling to come up with a name. Paul, have you got anybody? No. no I, don't, I was thinking of Gary Mills, but he's not a football league manager. Gary Bowyer. Ah. No. Is that not right? No. no. Oh, it would have been so I, topical as well. I thought it's you got good, it. It's a good shout. It's a good shout. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Paul, have you got a guess or should we get to clue for? Let, let's just get this finished so that my misery can end. <laughs> wow. Jesus. <laughs> All right. Um, oh, I don't... Ah, Christ, I don't think this clue's going to help you very much, actually. I re- uh, represented my country at three international tournaments, one of which was the 1994 World Cup. Mm. Rakeen, of course, neither obscure nor a current Football League manager, but he is somebody who popped into my head. Uh, no, it's not... Uh-huh. Hasselbank was a coach for Forest, wasn't he? Never played for Forest. I'm going to take I'm going to take slight pity on you here by uh, 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 adding uh, clue number four, part two. Okay. He, he was a teammate of Roy Keane at the 1994 World Cup. Current. This is so difficult. <laughs> Which I know is the point of the game, but not not ideal. Um, all right, I'll have a stab while Paul thinks of a proper answer and say John Sheridan. It's John Sheridan. Yes! It is John Sheridan. Congratulations, Matt. Well done. He was in the 1994 Ireland squad, was he? Yeah, yeah. Played all play, played uh, all their games in, at some as well. Forgettably, but um, he, he definitely Clearly. played. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the final clue was going to be, I signed a, I was signed a, as a replacement for Neil Webb, but only played yeah. once for Forrest before being mm. sold. Did he only play once? Yeah, yeah, there was a big. He signed for I can't remember how much it was, but it was a reasonable amount of money at the time. And uh, Cloughy seemed to go off him mm. almost instantly. He, he had a, he, there was a sort of a, a phase of players that um, he was in the Megson kind of, mold, wasn't he? Like Me- arrived and your Megsons, your Asa Hartfords, mm. um, which yeah, a little bit before that, but yeah, um, played once in a League Cup game against then third division Huddersfield Town and was promptly sold. Wow. He, he was actually he was a player as well. He was decent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Won the yeah, league cup with Chef Wed in '91. Mm. Yeah, scored the winning goal. Wow. Oh well, John Sheridan. This week's did they really play for Forest? Uh, that's just about it for us today, Paul. I mentioned your your Cyrus Christie piece. International break always a time that journalists love. Uh, what else are you going to be working on? Do you know what? I actually pinned down after some hard work and. A dogged pursuit. I actually had a very interesting and fun conversation with uh, a Polish man on a train yesterday morning uh, <laughs> who, who, who talked. Radi Majewski spoke very well about his time at Forest and had some fun tales to tell that perhaps might not have been heard before. Uh, so, yeah, that, that, that piece is. Crucially, Paul, did you, did you ask about the jeans? I did. I actually did. I asked about his fashion. We'll, we'll leave that for, we'll leave that for the, um, the reader to find out by reading the piece. And the brown, the brown leather jacket, the jeans, and the luminous trainers. Uh, Footballers in fashion, not natural bedfellows. <laughs> he, he he was always reluctant to do interviews when he was at Forest, purely because of the language barrier. But he he was absolutely brilliant. It was a delight to talk to him, and and hopefully that will shine through in uh, the piece when I finally get around to writing it. 
Excellent. Looking forward to that. Nick, I, I love that diminutive little poll. I'm sure you did too. Um, what, what have you got in the, uh, in the offing for athletic subscribers to enjoy at the moment or in the future? Um, well, I, I, um, I don't know when it's going to be going out, but I, I'm working on a piece at the moment about players who have suffered multiple uh, ACL injuries. And uh, I think we all know who I would have spoken to about that one. Uh, I spoke <laughs> to the world's greatest human, Chris Cohen, uh, last weekend. Um, he said lots of interesting things, but the, the key takeaway from it for, for me was that he remembered me from when I interviewed him uh four or five years ago and you know that i spoke to him on saturday morning and um i think i i texted you matt to say nothing nottingham forest can do today can hurt me now um, <laughs> it was about 30 seconds later that guyton bond conceded that needless penalty as well yeah. wasn't it <laughs> I, I think it was i think it was so i i, I was i was tempting fate but um but yes, it was a wonderful to speak to him. I'm not sure when that piece is going out. So, but um, I, I also spoke to um, Andy Hunt, who is the um, physiotherapist or one of the physiotherapists who helped him through a lot of uh, all three of the, his um, injuries. And I think if you remember, he was the guy that um, Cohen went over to and and hugged uh, after the 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 phenomenal Ipswich goal. Um, don't worry, fans. I um, did pass on our regards and uh, say how much we loved him and how much that moment was wonderful for us all. So, Yeah, and to a... quote the uh, late, great Murray Walker, I've got to stop because I've got a lump in my throat. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking about Chris Cohen. Uh, Theathletic.com slash Forest Pod is the place to go to sign up if you haven't already listened. Many thanks for joining us today. We'll be back same time next week. Until then, from myself, from Paul, from Nick and producer Lucy, it's bye for now. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.